0: Good morning, everyone. I'm John Schmidt, the senior pastor here at Centerpoint Fellowship. And today we are continuing on in our series entitled Hope. And I pray that you will leave here today with a lot of encouragement and a lot of hope because our hope is in the Lord, not in our circumstances, not in anything else. And God never fails. And so today, uh, inside your outline today, you will find an outline entitled God is Great. Last week, Tommy Green was with us and He uh, went through the outline on the fact that God is good. We realized later we got these backwards. We should have done God is great, then God is good, and then we could have done let us thank him for our food. But anyway, um, you know, along those lines. But today we're going to talk about how great God is. And I don't mean just great like Tony the Tiger. They're great, okay, type of things. Uh, We're not talking about frosted flakes here. We're talking about God himself, the creator of the whole universe, who's all-powerful and knows everything. And today we're going to walk through what the Bible has to say about that. I want to jump right in. If you need a pen, raise your hand. Uh, One of the ushers will bring one to you. But I want to jump right into the first point and then stop for a word of prayer there. Because um, Paul is even telling us how to pray about this. Point one in your outline is simply this. We need to regularly remind remind each other to place our hope in God. We need to remind each other. Because we live in a world that distracts us. And we can place our hope in government and government disappoints us sometimes. True or false? Yeah, true. Okay. We can place our hope in other people, not just our officials, even people we know. Sometimes our kids, sometimes our spouse, sometimes people close to us, our boss, they might fail us. True? True. True. Sometimes we place our hope in our finances. That's a bad idea too. Finances can come and go. What if you place your hope in your health and your strength? All it takes is one twisted ankle. All it takes is picking up something the wrong way. And now you can't even stand up for two weeks. And what happened? Well, we put our hope in all kinds of things that don't last. But when we put our hope in the Lord, well, that's something else. Here's what Paul said about it. He said to the early Christians who lived in Ephesus, he said, I pray for you constantly, asking God, the glorious Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you might grow in your knowledge of God. Now listen to this. I also pray here, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so you can understand the confident hope He has given to those He called, His holy people who are His rich and glorious inheritance. Paul said, I want you to have wisdom and insight. I want God to flood your heart with light so you can understand the hope you have in God, the relationship with Jesus. Today, I want to help be a part of the flooding with light because the scripture has a lot to tell us about why our hope belongs in God. And why he is worthy of that. You know, we live in a cynical culture today. Where everything's negative and everything's bad and everything's going horrible. This is all before noon. Okay? And if you get on the internet, everybody will tell you that, oh, the economy's in trouble. Our government's in trouble. The military's in trouble. Our kids don't respect us. Our schools are failing. We're all too fat. We're all too lazy. We're all going to die. And it's 9 a.m. What's the rest of the day now? And so what happens is, is, that when you talk about hope, there are people going, oh, well, hope is like pennies in a fountain. My wife and I were on vacation this last week in Washington, D.C., and there's lots of monuments and fountains, and there's signs all over the place, don't throw pennies in the fountain. They just clog it up. And you know what people do, and they throw a penny in the fountain, they make a penny wish. Uh, wish for a million dollars. Oh, well. It only cost me a penny. I hope that, uh, I hope we'll get that job. Oh, well, it was just a penny. And you ask people about it, and they go, well, that's what hope is. It's kind of like a wish where it's a penny wish. It could happen. It might not. It's a one in a million long shot. Well, if that's the kind of hope we're talking, you think we're talking about, I'm not talking about that at all. I'm talking about the kind of hope that Paul said here, where our hearts will be flooded with light, so you can understand the confident hope And so if you're going to write in the margin what hope is in the Bible, it's confident, a confident, strong expectation. That's what hope is. It's a confident, strong expectation. And it's based on the promises of Scripture, based on the character of God. And we're going to look at his character today. So I want to have a word of prayer right now that God will flood our hearts with light so that we can understand the confident hope that he's given to us. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, I just thank you that Paul wrote this, Lord, that he prayed for the people in Ephesus when they were struggling with people who disagreed with them, people who made fun of them when their religion was not in vogue, their faith in Christ. And Father, I just, um, I pray, Father, that you would do, you would grant us the answer to Paul's prayer, that you would flood our hearts with light so we can understand the confident hope that you have given to us, to those you've called You'd remind us of our rich and glorious inheritance and of your might and your power and your wisdom. Just silently where you are today, if you would like your heart enlightened, if you'd like to grow in wisdom, spiritual wisdom and insight, would you do that right now? Would you just pray and say, God, would you make me wiser because I've come today? Would you speak to me and give me hope and a peace that passes all understanding? Lord, I pray for these things. I ask that you move me out of the way and you speak to us all. In the name of Christ, amen. Psalm 39.7, David said, Lord, where do, where do I put my hope? My only hope is in you. Where do I put my hope? My only hope is in you. There, and David knew what he was talking about. There was one time when he and his troops, he had about 600 men at the time, they'd gone on a military campaign. When they came back, some raiders had come through the town where they were based out of, and um, they'd stolen everything took their wives, their kids, their cattle, all their possessions, came back to town was basically burned to the ground. Nothing left. And listen to what uh, 1 Samuel records for us. David was now in great danger because all his men were very bitter about losing their sons and daughters, and they began to talk of stoning him. They were going to kill him. And so David went and got drunk. No. David went and saw a psychic palm reader. No. You know what David did? David found strength in the Lord, his God. That's why he wrote, Lord, where do I put my hope? My only hope is in you. Most people think David wrote Psalm 33 also. We put our hope uh, in the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In him, our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. Let your unfailing love surround us, Lord, for our hope is in you alone. Would you say that last phrase with me, please? For our hope is in you alone. One more time. For our hope is in you alone. Again, you put your faith in other people, you put your confidence and your hope in other people, people will let you down. Because none of us is perfect, but God is. None of us is all wise, but God is. And so we place our hope in God alone. That brings us to point two. We place our hope in God alone because God is great. David again, 1 Chronicles 16. Great is the Lord. He is most worthy of praise. In some translations, and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. The gods of other nations are mere idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Honor and majesty surround him. Strength and joy fill his dwelling. Oh, nations of the world, recognize the Lord. Recognize that the Lord is glorious and strong. And if you agree with that statement, would you say amen? amen? Yeah. That's the God we worship. That's why we sing praises, because he is most worthy of praise. He is great and greatly to be praised. There's none like him. Now, people bow down to little idols and put their confidence in all kinds of things. But When you put your confidence in the Lord, he is the king of kings and lord of lords. Most worthy of our praise. So, we're going to go through four dimensions of his character, which remind us over and over again why our hope needs to be in him and in him alone. First of all, God is great because God is omnipotent. I'm giving you some seminary words here today. <laughs> omnipotent just means all powerful. And if all powerful doesn't work for you, then write this in there unlimited power, able to do anything. That's what omnipotent means. There's nothing you cannot do. O sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and the earth by your great power. This is Jeremiah 32. By your strong hand and powerful arm, nothing is too hard for you. You are the great and powerful God, the Lord of heaven's armies. You have all wisdom and do great and mighty miracles. You perform miraculous signs and wonders in the land of Egypt, things still remembered to this day, and you have continued to do so. Great miracles in Israel and all around the world. God continues to do miracles. That, that wasn't just a one-off thing. I mean, God did mighty miracles in Egypt, sent plagues. Each of the plagues was like a smart plague that demonstrated God's sovereignty and God's power that he was the real God. Because the Egyptians had a whole pantheon of idols. One God to protect their crops and another God to bring the rain and another God for the livestock. And so the plagues went after the crops and after the uh, rain and after uh, the livestock and God proved that he was sovereign over all those things and he was the real God the God of the Israelites was the real God the creator of heaven and earth but that wasn't, didn't stop there God is still doing mighty miracles today there's nothing he cannot do he has unlimited power um, got to see God's power on display uh, over the last wow year and a half now I guess And um, in the life of Don and Patrick White, they sat down in front of a camera and want to share with you what God has done in their life and how they've seen his power on display.
1: My name is Patrick White, and my wife and I have been married for 25 years, up until January 1st of 2014. We had pretty much a normal life, been attending Center Point since uh, its beginning. And that all changed uh, just after midnight on the morning of the 2nd. I was asleep in bed, and I was woken up by my son, who said, there's something wrong with Mom. I got up out of bed, and when I got to her in her chair, she wasn't breathing. He called 911. I started doing CPR on her, and the ambulance transported her to the hospital. I rode the ambulance with her and I grabbed my phone and started making phone calls. And I said, something's wrong. I don't know what's going on, but I need prayer. Once we got to the hospital, the uh, doctors took Dawn into the back and took me out to a waiting room. The first time the doctor came out to see me, she introduced herself to me and she said, I don't want you to get your hopes up. Dawn has been oxygen deprived for an extended period of time and I don't think she's going to survive. After talking to the doctor I didn't have to sit for very long before people started to show up uh, from church. John and Tommy Green arrived and then followed by uh, members of our connect group, other members of the church and people started having small prayer groups right there in the waiting room uh, pulling out Bibles and praying for Dawn at that time. The doctor came out again a short time later and said, we know your wife is an organ donor and we'd like to go ahead and start that process. And if there's anybody that would like to come and, and basically say their goodbyes, they need to do that now. While I was back there with her by myself, I had the toughest conversation that I've ever thought I would with my wife. And I told her at that point that I can't imagine my life without her. We've been married for 25 years and she's, she makes me whole. But I told her that God has a plan and if it's his plan for her to go home to be with him, then that's what she needs to do and it would be okay. At that moment, everything got quiet in the room and it seemed like everything just stopped and I heard a voice crystal clear that said, I've got this. And I knew at that point that regardless of the outcome... It was going to be okay. Family continued to come in and out and see her, and at one point, Tommy and John went back with me again and prayed for Dawn again. While the three of us were back there, I noticed her hand moved, and I asked the doctor about it, and the doctor said, no, that's not brain function, that's spinal cord nerves. Because she was oxygen-deprived for an extended period of time, we don't believe there's any brain function. A few minutes later, a nurse came in and started to put a needle in Dawn's wrist to do some more testing. And when she did, Dawn flinched and pulled her hand back. And I looked at the doctor and I said, that's not nerves. She felt that. And the doctor said, well, I just, I can't explain this. That doesn't make any sense. Friday evening, I went in to visit her and I put my hand on her forehead and said, hi, I'm here, babe. And she opened her eyes and looked at me. And I said, can you hear me? And she nodded her head, yes. At which point I started bawling like a baby. The nurse came in and said, what's wrong? And I said, I asked her a question and she answered me. Over the course of the next 30 days, while Dawn was in cardiac intensive care, she continued to improve. Just as I was told, God's got this. They were able to ultimately get her off of the ventilator. They took her feeding tube out. We saw her start eating solid food on her own again. The therapists were able to get her up and walking. She was able to start talking and communicating with us again. And it was really impressive. The staff even continued to refer to her as their little miracle. And it, and it really was one miracle and one answer prayer after another. She continues to improve, but we've got a long way to go, and doctors tell us that it's a three- to four-year healing process. I put all my hope in God, and I have faith that He'll heal me and... You'll continue to get better. I'll continue to get better. A year ago, I was told by a doctor that my wife wasn't going to survive. And I've always been taught that the children and your spouse are gifts from God, and that makes her sure the best gift that I've ever gotten twice.
0: Yeah, you can applaud that. So why do we put our hope in God? Because God is great. God is all-powerful. There's nothing he cannot do. If you're going to ask me, do we go back there with Patrick and go, Oh, I wish uh, Don might get better someday. No. We prayed to the God of heaven, and we said, God, would you please bring her back to life? I mean, her heart had stopped. And her brain function had stopped. And they said the machines were the only thing keeping her alive. God, would you wake her up? What's so interesting is after this last service that we had this morning, one of the nurses who was in the ER that night came up and talked to me. She was here. and She said, I remember that. And she goes, we have talked about that ever since. We've never seen anything like it. She didn't have oxygen t- to her brain for like 25 minutes. She goes, we can't explain that. And she said, you tell everybody that was the greatest encouragement to the whole staff at the hospital that God answers prayer they could possibly get. And I would tell you, it was a great encouragement to all of us who were circled up in that waiting room praying for her at two in the morning. People can tell you, hey, you're talking to an imaginary being. You're throwing pennies into a fountain. It's all just making a wish. Doesn't amount to anything. Well, go tell that to Dawn. She was here at an earlier service today too and I hugged her neck and she said she was doing much better. Why do we put our hope in God? Because God is great. He's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. Here's a life application for all of us. The same mighty power that conquered the grave is available to all who believe. To all who believe in Jesus. I read you a little bit from Ephesians 1 when Paul said, Hey, I, want, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so you can understand the confident hope we have. Well, he goes on. I stopped right there. That was verse 18 where I stopped. Here's verse 19 of Ephesians 1, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. It's one thing to go ask a governor or a senator or the president for a favor or for help with a situation. You might get help, you might not. We can come to the Lord of heaven's armies, to God himself, the creator God of the universe, with our requests. And the same power that conquered the grave is available to all who believe. That's why we give him praise and why we place our hope in him. Flip your outline over Acts 1.8. The disciples were given the impossible task of sharing the good news all around the world. Ordinary men and women who had followed Jesus were sent out to proclaim the truth. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. And they went out with the power of the Lord. Living the Christian life isn't getting your life all cleaned up and then kind of hanging on, gritting it out till you die one day, hoping you don't sin too much. Don't ever think that. To come to Christ means we surrender all our lives to him. He washes us clean and he fills us with his Holy Spirit and empowers us to live the life we should. Why do we place our hope in the Lord? Because God is great. He's omnipotent, all-powerful. There's nothing he cannot do. Go ask Don and Patrick. They'll give him glory and praise. You don't have to remind them to give him glory and praise. You don't. And that's why we need to remind each other of this stuff because we forget when life gets hard, we think, well, yeah, God answered that prayer last year, but he can't do it again. Sure he can't. He's all-powerful. Secondly, point B on your outline, God is omniscient. Omnipotent, all-powerful, omniscient, all-knowing. He knows everything. He knows all about us. It does no good to say, well, I pray to God, but God wouldn't understand me. Oh, yeah, he does. Psalm 139 David again, oh, Lord, you have examined my heart. You know everything about me. You know when I sit down. You know when I stand up. You know my thoughts. Even when I'm far away, you see me when I travel, when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. In Matthew 10, 30, you can write it in the margin there. He knows the number number of hairs on our head. I was talking to a friend of mine whose hairline is receding. He goes, he also knows how fast that's disappearing. Okay, but anyway, uh, the point is he knows all about us. He's the one who knew all about Dawn and her situation. He knew exactly where she was. And so we could confidently pray to him and say, Lord, you know her brain has been oxygen deprived. You know the people at the hospital are just doing their best and saying, we don't expect her to be able to live. But we know you're the source of life. And Lord, hear our prayers. And he did. And he still does. God knows all about us. But not only that, he also knows the future. Only I can tell the future before it even happens. Everything I plan will come to pass, for I do whatever I wish. That's the Lord speaking in Isaiah 46.10. So the Lord knows all about us, and he knows what's going to happen next. Most of the time, we don't even understand ourselves. And we certainly don't know the future. So why does it matter? Well, here's the life application. We put our hope in the Lord, because if he's omniscient, then he can guide us. Into the proper future, into the best future for us. And he promises to do that. He promises to guide us if we will only listen. The Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. If you need guidance here today and you've come here and you have a big decision to make and you don't know what to do, be encouraged. Put your hope in the Lord. Seek his counsel. Pray to him. He says, I will advise you, watch over you. Don't be like a senseless horse or mule that needs a bit and bridle to keep it under control. So why do we put our hope in the Lord? Well, let's see. Because he's all-powerful. There's nothing he cannot do. There's no prayer he can't answer. Secondly, he knows what's best for us, better than we do. And he'll guide us down the best pathway for our lives. Now look, I can go seek the counsel of friends. I can read a horoscope. I can go to a palm reader. I can do all those things. So could you. But the Lord would go, why don't you come to me? I'm the only one who knows the future. I'll guide you. I'll help you. I made you. God is omnipotent, all-powerful. He's omniscient, all-knowing. And the third point is God is omnipresent. I'm going to come back to that next life application in just a second. God is omnipresent. He's everywhere all the time. He's everywhere all the time. You go before me and you follow me, David said. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I go down to the grave, you're there. If I ride on the wings of the morning, if I dwell in the farthest oceans, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night, but even in darkness I cannot not hide from you. To you the night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. When we commission a family to go to Ecuador and missions... We don't have to worry that the Lord's not going to be there. Oh, man, I hope you don't get there before Tuesday. The Lord's not going to show up until Wednesday. I mean, we don't talk about that. It's not like God sent them in heaven. Where are they? What the heck? How'd they get to Ecuador? I was only going to bless them while they were in Prattville. It doesn't work that way. The Lord goes with us wherever we go. In fact, he doesn't go with us. He's already there. To be omnipresent means to be everywhere. All the time. And so we pray for them. We pray God's richest blessings upon them as they're here and they prepare for their trip, as they leave on their trip and they travel, and when they arrive, and God is already working there, preparing things in advance for them. How many times have you and I traveled somewhere, moved to a new situation, and it's gone amazingly well, and we find out later on, a week in or two weeks in, after you move somewhere, oh, God wanted us here. He's prepared everything for us. Has that ever happened to anybody else besides me? Yeah, it's because God was way ahead of us. God's everywhere, all the time. So here's a life application for you and me. You and I don't have to ever be afraid of being alone. I don't have to be afraid of being alone, neither do you. Tommy mentioned this last week. I mention it again because this is what we foolishly think. Paul said, hey, look, I pray for you that your mind will be enlightened, that you get wisdom. Get some wisdom on this. Here's some wisdom. You don't have to be afraid of being alone. In Ephesians 2, Paul went on to say, in those days before you were a Christian apart from Christ, you lived in this world without God and without hope. But now you've been united with Christ Jesus. Once you were far away from God, but now you've been brought near to him through the blood of Christ. Our sin keeps us apart from Christ. When I sin, I say, Lord, I want to go my own way. I don't want to go your way. Well, he can't lead me. I'm that stubborn horse or that mule. Or I'm prideful, saying, I'm not listening. I want to run my own life. And so, of course, we go through heartache after hardship, after dumb mistake, do all kinds of foolish and wicked things. And Paul says, but you're not like that anymore. When you came to Christ, you surrendered your sin. You laid down your pride, and you filled, And now your heart's been filled with him. So you're one with him, and you don't ever have to be afraid anymore. I can go into a new job, start at a new school, move to a new state or a new country, and be confident the Lord goes with me. You know, Jesus sent his disciples out to go and make disciples, gave them the power. We read that a little bit ago. Well, here's what Jesus also said. Be sure of this. I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. He's not only just beside us. He's inside us. Empowering us so we can be all that he wants us to be. And so I don't have to be afraid. He's there with me in the middle of the night because the night is the same as daylight to him. We read that. Anywhere I go, any time of day, the Lord is watching over me. Now I want to go back to that last life application I had too because sometimes we go, well, okay, Lord, you're watching over me and yeah, you have all power, but there are people getting away with stuff. Well, listen to this. There's another life application here. God promises to frustrate the plans of the wicked. Not as he know what you and I do, he knows what the wicked are up to. The Lord frustrates the plans of the nations, Psalm 33, and thwarts their schemes. But the Lord's plans stand firm forever. His intentions can never be shaken. The Lord looks down from heaven and sees the whole human race. From his throne, he observes all who live on earth. He made their hearts, so he understands everything they do. It's only because of his patience and his love for him that he's given more time for them to repent, which is why you and I need to proclaim the gospel, proclaim the truth, stand firm on what the Bible has to say, because many of the people who are boasting and um, chanting about how great it is to live apart from God or shaking their fists at God, saying they don't need a God in their lives, well, God may yet be merciful on them. He's given them more time to repent. But he will set things right, and he does frustrate the plans of the wicked. He blesses the righteous, and he frustrates the plans of the wicked. You can count on it. He's all-knowing. He's all-powerful. And he's everywhere. All the time. Omnipotent, omniscient, omnipresent, and point D, God's eternal. Is this a limited time offer? No. The Lord says, I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord God. I'm the one who is, who always was, and who is still to come, the Almighty One. First Chronicles 16, 36, David again, praise the Lord, the God of Israel, who lives from everlasting to everlasting, and all the people shouted, amen, and praise the Lord. I'd like to kind of rehearse that right here again, when all the people shouted. I'm going to read that first line, and when after I say, and all the people shouted, I want you to say, Amen. Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, who lives from everlasting to everlasting. And all the people shouted, Amen. Yeah. We have hope in an eternal God. You could also write in the margin over here, um, Psalm 121. The first four verses remind us, God never sleeps and never slumbers. So I can pray to him in the middle of the night. I can pray to him anytime. Now, I grow weak and I grow weary. He does not. When uh, we were in Washington, D.C., we loved it. We got to see lots of the monuments. You know, the only problem with Washington, D.C., everything's like a mile apart. Anybody ever been there? Oh, my goodness. You walk like four or five miles. You get back to the hotel and go, I am going to bed now. Okay, I'm really, I am weak, and I am tired, and my feet hurt. The Lord doesn't do that. I don't want to bother God, or God won't be up this late. God doesn't care about me. God doesn't understand me. He knows exactly where we are. He loves us. It is the greatest thing when I can comfort people with when they've been through a heartache or a disappointment or a terrible loss. I go, let's pray. And they go, well, do you think God understands? Oh, I know he understands. And I read these scriptures right here. Or sometimes people come in and they go, I'm so mad at God. He took away somebody I love, or he took away a career, or this is everything to me, and now he's taking it away, and I'm just so mad at him. And I go, well, let's pray. And they go, well, I don't want him to know. I go, he was listening. It's okay. (laughs) I mean, we will act like that. I mean, look, let's just be honest with him. God, what are you doing? You can talk like that to him. Just come before him, lay out your problems, and say, God, would you give me hope? Would you give me direction? Would you show me what you're doing with my life? And then what's so wonderful is is to see how God works it out. We were in that waiting room praying with Patrick about dawn for like two or three hours. Got home like at 4.30 in the morning. But I was absolutely confident God was going to do going to keep working in her life. Now it's a year and a half later. She's going back into therapy again because the therapist said, well, she keeps making progress. We've got to keep working with her. We shared that testimony to remind us not to give up hope. We worship the almighty God. He never sleeps. He never slumbers. We worship the omniscient God who not only knows your name, he knows your fingerprints. He designed your fingerprint. He knows the future as well as the past. He promises to guide us if we'll just listen. There's one more great promise out of this. The last life application here. Through Christ we have the hope of eternal life. And when Paul said, hey, when you lived apart from God, you lived in this world without God and without hope. Of course we are without hope. What hope do I have of standing in front of God? I saw a guy with a t-shirt on not that long ago. t t-shirt said, "Uh, I hope God grades on a curve. He doesn't. It's either perfection or nothing, and I'm far from perfect. If I was to stand before God with every careless word, every wicked thought, every selfish moment, every time I lost my temper, I'll add it up. Oh, I've never done enough to compensate for that or overcome it. If you don't believe me, go ask my wife. She'll bear witness, okay? And the same thing's true for you, by the way. All you got to do is find somebody, a brother, a sister, a friend, somebody who knows you well, and they go, well, they're a good person. I like them. They're my friend, but they're not perfect. And you know what you have to be in order to stand before a perfect God? Perfect. Well, how can I be made perfect? Well, Titus 3, Paul says this, he saved us not because of our right, the righteous things we've done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. Whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that, having been justified by his grace, which is undeserved kindness, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. Why do we have hope of eternal life? Because Jesus Christ died on the cross and paid my sins in full, not because I earned it. Why do I have a hope of eternal life? Because the one who is eternal life made the promise. I mean, can you imagine if I'm doing one of those penny wishes again? I'm about to die. Hope there's an afterlife. If there's a heaven, hope I did enough good things. Hope God grades on a curve. And some people live this way. We really do that. My friends, the good news of the gospel is we come to Christ no matter who we are or what we've done. We confess our sins He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So come today. If your mortality has been made real to you and you want to live forever, come to Jesus. This isn't a penny wish. It's a sure and certain hope. Because our hope is in Jesus. So many people have said this better than I have, better than I ever could today. If you flip your outline over one more time on the back page, Discussion question number five for Connect Groups. I'm asking you to compare the lyrics of two hymns. I'll just hit the first one. Edward Mote wrote a classic hymn called The Solid Rock in 1834. Here's the first verse My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. My friends, I proclaim to you today our hope does not consist of blowing sunshine or making penny wishes. Our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ, his blood, and his righteousness. We don't trust anything else. Not the sweetest frame. We wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock, we stand. All other ground is sinking sand. God is omnipotent, all-powerful. God is omniscient. He knows everything. God is omnipresent. He's everywhere all the time. And God's eternal. His promises and His grace never change. I hope today you're encouraged because our faith is in God and God is great and greatly to be praised. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, I pray that you have illuminated our hearts. You have filled us with light, flooded our hearts with light and that we will believe not only now when we're in this room, but on Tuesday when maybe we've gotten a bad report from the doctor or maybe we've had to deal with an unkind word from a friend or maybe we've gone through a very disappointing loss or we're feeling terrible with the flu. I pray, Lord, that our faith would be placed only in you and that our hope would spring eternal because our hope is in you. In just a moment of silence, would you ask God to strengthen you from the inside out and to flood your heart with light and to remind you all week long not to put your hope in others, not to put your hope in circumstances, not to put your hope in your own abilities, but your hope is only in him. If that's your desire, pray it now and say, God, oh God, you are my hope and you are my shield. My hope is in you alone. Oh God, we live in a culture where many have turned their backs on you. They mock people who pray to you and they say that we're making penny wishes to imaginary beings, to an imaginary being when we pray. But Lord, we know we are talking to you. Lord, I know you answered that prayer for Dawn. You were a great encouragement to the hospital staff. You've been a great encouragement to me for her life and her recovery. And I pray that she will continue to recover. She's gaining a little bit more of her memory back every week. And God, I pray that you will bring her to full recovery. In just a moment of silence right now, if you need help with something, would you pray about that circumstance? Maybe you have a work situation. Maybe you have a marriage situation. Maybe you have a health concern or a financial concern. Would you pray right now, whatever the issue is, and say, God, I need help. You are all powerful. Please hear me. Please help me. If you need guidance, would you pray for that and say, God, I don't know what to do. I don't want to be a stubborn horse or a mule. God, I don't know what to do. Would you show me which path to take? Where do I go? If you are making a key decision now, pray for wisdom and pray for direction. Ask God to bring the right people, the right resources, to bring wisdom into your life, to speak to you, and to give you clear direction. And if there's something between you and God or something between you and someone else, would you confess that sin right now and say, God, the one thing that's going to block me from hearing your voice is my own sin and my own pride. Forgive me. You know what I'm talking about, Lord. You saw what I did. You're always with me. You heard what I said. You know what I should have done. And I ask your forgiveness now. Forgive me and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. If you have a secret sin, confess it now. Do not delay. God brought you here today to hear this. Do not delay. Well, God, I thank you that we live in a world where you are ever present. Forgive us, Lord, where we put stock in what other people say, we put so much stock in opinions of others even if we know that they're not trustworthy in most things. We allow our emotions to carry us away with fear and doubt and worry. Mm. God, I pray that you would put a guard over our tongues, over my tongue. Lord, I don't want to tell people discouraging things. I want to give people hope. And it's not a vain hope. Our hope is in you, Lord. You are all-powerful. You are all-knowing. You are everywhere. There's nothing you cannot do. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.